Sure. Yeah. Okay. So like, it was crazy. Like I didn't even like realize half of the things that I was struggling with. Like it was so cool. Like we, we just like got rid of all of it and it took like an hour and 20 minutes. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I get free from like confusion and a spirit of anxiety and just like this, um, like anxiety, what people think of me. Um, and just, I mean, all of it, like, I, I know earlier I, I shared when we were doing the thing, like putting the things uh, at the cross, like I had shared that I had felt so rejected and everything, and God has just taken that away. Like all the hurt, all of the hurt that that I've experienced from other people because of, like, that I felt rejected by is just, is just gone. And God, God is just, God is, God has just purified my heart and it's just amazing. So, yeah. Intercession was like wasn't even intercession. It was just like worship. We just worshipped and like we did the Kenny thing and we just like sang songs and God showed up. It was just like it was just wild. This it was awesome. Um, we wrote a song for Nepal. Like it was just it's nuts. It was awesome. Um, but this morning in intercession, uh, the Lord gave me started to give me a word that I originally just thought was going to be for like Nepal. But as uh, we encouraged with Catherine, as we encouraged Catherine, a bunch of teams ran around and got to bless Catherine and like just declare the love of God over Catherine. It was amazing. I realized that it was for like the like the school as a whole. And um, the first thing I felt the Lord highlight to me was that uh, that on this campus, you guys are being known for your love. Like, you guys are being known as the school that's wildly, passionately pursuing Jesus. And you're, like, I think giving, like, this permission to other schools and other students to do the same. That it's possible to have a school that's just wild for Jesus. Um, and then the thing in my, uh, in my like, DTS and secondary school experience, we had a speaker came in. And he, he's actually uh, David Gava's mentor. You, did you hear him mention Paul Hawkins? He spoke in both my schools. And so he talked about, like, one of the early DTSs with, um, that was run by, like, Lauren and Darlene. I think Joy Dawson was, like, one of the staff. It was, like, nuts. But basically, it was, like, one of the first DTSs. And he talked about how, like, they, it was, like, incredible leaders, like, came out of this. It's, like, people that, like, right now are, like, leading YWAM around the world and leading organizations. Like, huge people around the world, like, all came out of, like, this one DTS. They were all young people in the same DTS at the same time. And I felt the Lord wanted to, like, just, like, speak this over you guys that, like, this is your, like, that's this school. Like, you guys are going to go to, like, the corners of the world. You guys are going to do things. Like, when, like, 20, 30 years from now, they're going to, like, look at the things that God has done in you guys. And they're going to be like, man, I can't believe they were all in the same DTS together. Like, what an amazing DTS. Like, and I felt like the Lord highlight that to me. Um, and then what was the last? Oh, and then the stripes. So the Lord spoke to me while you're all wearing stripes this morning as we were in intercession. And the Lord showed me, like, all these people, like, all of you guys, like, just coming together, like, wearing these, like, the same clothes. And I felt the Lord say, um, where you guys want to go right now? Like, the hopes and dreams that each one of you have in your heart, not just for this week, but for this school. Like, it can only be done if you are of one mind. Like, and it says it's going to take to see the freedom that all of you are dreaming for right now and that all of you want is going to take all of you together. It's more than just like you and Jesus seeing the freedom. It's going to be all of you. And so all of you, if, all, if we as a school come together of one mind and one spirit is when we will see the things that we're dreaming to see and the dreams that God's placed on our heart. And so that's what I felt for this morning. And I want to share that. So I'm going to pray that over you guys for today. So God... You're so good. 
God, thank you so much for you and your goodness and your love and for who you are and that that even though you are the you are so beyond anything we can understand or comprehend that you're here in this room right now and you choose to walk with us and you choose to sit in these seats with us because you're like guys that's how much I love you thank you that that's the kind of God that you are so I pray that today you unite us God that we be of one mind and one spirit and one heart under you Jesus and that we see the dreams that we all have in our hearts come to pass, Lord. So we say that we're yours, God, and that we want more. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And get YWAM Engage DTS 2016 t-shirts. And your leaders are telling you to wear the shirts. And that's called proscribed unity. And so you're doing what you're supposed to do. And it's suggestive so that you can actually transfer that to your own heart choice for unity. And so when you guys are wearing these striped shirts, as you were talking, um, the transference of the hope and the prayer from staff for your unity to you for your heart choice of unity has happened. And so I want you to know that when you, when you go to Ephesians 4, Start with verse 1. Ephesians 4, go. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager. Just from the last part. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and humility. gentleness, yeah. with patience, bearing with one another in love, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. that Christianity cannot be personality-driven. Isn't that good? You want to kill fear of man? Stop following man. If you follow man, then familiarity will breed contempt. What does that mean? I love you until I spend 12 weeks with you, and then now the little tiny things that used to be cute are driving me crazy. So therefore, because I know you and your faults, I can't hear God from you anymore. Did you guys follow that? Unity in the bond of peace means that we are seeking God personally and we are seeing God through one another every day. He's not personality driven. He's the head of the church. He unifies you in the bond of peace. Go to John 17. I just want to just... Complete this thought before we get going. Okay? What did you just hear? That was beautiful. What is he praying over you? Okay. So what you're seeing is a vertical unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and a horizontal unity between you and the brethren. Vertical unity 
horizontal unity. It commends the blessings from heaven easily over you, in you, and through you, from you. Okay? This is how to steward heaven. This is how to steward heaven. What's happening in heaven? Radical love between the God the Father, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit with God the Father, the Holy Spirit with God the Son. Radical, all in, every day, all in, everywhere, love. And when you enter into that, he says, I'm in you and you in me. I'm in the Father and he is in me. Guys, that's like pouring sugar in coffee and letting it dissolve. Try to separate it after that. That's the way he wants to be in you and you in him. And then when you're doing this, all you can think of is for one another. You just love each other. You want to see the others shine. You're for the other person's best. So accountability is not, I need to hold you accountable to some things and pull you down. It's not that. It's like, no, can I hold you accountable to pull you up for the best of you? When someone upsets you or says something to offend you, you don't go to them because they've offended you. You go to them to help them because they've offended. Hey, you don't want to offend, do you? You offended me. I just want to let you know you're better than that. Can we do that? Can you guys do that? Someone told me that you talked behind my back about me. I thought we were friends. Don't do that. Hey, you don't, you don't want to talk about people behind their back, right? Is that something? Because I want to hold you accountable to your best. You're better than that. Are you guys getting this? This is how sons and daughters hold sons and daughters accountable. So that we don't fall prey and victim in the flesh to the wields of the enemy that would divide us. It's a whole different paradigm. It's not, I confront my brother so that we can, we can reconcile a relationship. It's, I forgive my brother so that I can have nothing between me and God. The Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. Why? Because our trespasses separate us relationally be between us and God. Sin separates. Okay? As we forgive those who sin against us. Why do I forgive them who sin against me? So that there would be nothing between me and God. Are you with me? This is how you strive for the bond of peace. This is how you long suffer. What does it mean to long suffer? It means to allow the person to be who they are, where they are for a long time. And you're constantly giving them mercy. God will give you grace. Love covers a multitude of sin. Okay? Are you guys with me? So unity in the Trinity. Father, before I react, what do you want me to do? Yes, Lord, now I'm responding to you. Okay? Unity in the bond of peace. When you have unity with your brethren, it commands the blessings. Easy, easy. Say easy. easy. Healing, easy. Prophecy just comes forth easy. Why? Because you're so connected relationally to your Father through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as this unity is happening, all you can see is where God is moving among your own team 
where God is moving everywhere you're going. You'll sense principalities over the city, so you'll know how to operate in the opposite of spirit. You'll walk up to people. They walk right up to you when you're going to do your worship circles. Yes. Are we going to do those? That just doesn't defend you. Defend you. Okay. Put a shield of faith all around you. It it makes you warriors in the spirit. And you command the darkness back. And you command people from the darkness forward. Now, when they come forward to you, you go, unity in the spirit. Father, who is before me? Tell me who I'm talking with. What do you love about this person? And then the Lord says, call the gold out of my son. Call the gold out of my daughter. And all you do is you say what you're hearing. It's very simple. And it's rooted in love. That love that you have now for that person that you've never met, but you are connected to their DNA and to their original design, and the gold that God and God begins to show you who they are, and you fall in love with that person that God is showing you, and this love for that person supersedes any fear of what they would think of you by giving them Christ. Does that make sense? So the unity is we celebrate one another when we step out. Every one of you is going to be called out to be vulnerable in front of each other. It's going to be harder for you to be vulnerable and give Jesus away to to strangers in front of your own group than if you went by yourself to do it. Why? What if I prophesy right now? What would people think? What if I lay hands on people for healing? What will my team think? Are you with me? This is where we rally around each other and build each other up and encourage and be so blessed by people's obedience. When you are vulnerable to the Lord and you say, yes, Lord, your teammates need to be there to support you, rally around you. Okay. All right. So we have 21 worship leaders in our worship department. And when each one would lead worship, the others are playing behind that person. So a lot of our worship leaders, they can play bass, drums, acoustic, electric, piano, whatever, violin. So when it's not their time to lead worship, they may not even be on the team. They just may be in the in the crowd. Okay. Whoever's leading worship, the others always are rallying around them and supporting them. They're praying over them. They're prophesying over them. They're lifting them up, and they're so excited to see them shine. That's how you operate on your outreach. You're praying for your people constantly. How do you get unity in the brethren? You're praying for your outreach partners. Pray. Encourage them in the ways of the Lord. Be completely smitten by the love of the Lord for them. You're completely affected by the Father's love for your teammates. It's the power of prayer. Okay. Is this okay? I just want to make sure you you these are these are nuggets of wisdom that you have to use. They diffuse disunity and they hold this strong bond of peace and love for one another. Now, after you get off and you're prophesying or you're teaching or whatever, and all those people are there and you're ministering to them and stuff and then your team gets together, everybody's watching you more. Now, if they see this love that you have for one another, they're going to go, okay, they're real. If they see you turn off and now you're back to the flesh you, they're going to go, oh, it's what I thought the church is. It's what I thought. Okay? So everything you do has to be real. 
It has to be authentic from you. Be vulnerable. Chase the light in your group. Don't let anything succumb to darkness. That you would hide secret sin or hide the way that you feel about certain people in your group. Go to them, Matthew 18, quickly. Confront your neighbor in love. Submit whatever is there for them to process between them and their Jesus. Let them come back to you. Did that make sense? Loving confrontation. Did we have any teaching on loving confrontation? That would be a good week. How to do that. Okay. The number one reason people come home from the mission field is other missionaries, not the difficulty of their struggles in, as missionaries. The bond of peace, vertical unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, horizontal unity, Psalm 133. You guys will literally see the greatness in one another. Let me give you, what's your name? Right here, what's your name? Yes, you. Can you come here can we give her a hand? <laughs> Look at them. Okay, seven weeks into outreach, will you be able to do the same thing? Okay, so you, everyone heard your yes. So everyone's accountable to everyone. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. What, what do you love about her? Speak directly to her. Don't tell me what you love about her in the third person. Look right to her and tell her one at a time. Go. Does that make sense? Right now, we're all lovey-dovey. But when there's flesh there, which there will be, okay, you remember who she is. Call her gold out. Always treat her according to who she is, who God has made her to be. Now, is this good, what they're talking to you about? Yeah, how they're describing? How do you feel? How do you guys feel? So do you see when you call the gold out of people that the giver and the receiver are both blessed? And the giver and the receiver both understand how to treat that person from now on. If you do what I'm just doing, very simple, take the time, praise one another. All you're doing right now, and God has taught you how to do this because we're made to praise. What do we do when we give God praise? You're faithful. You're gentle. You're such a warrior. You're so kind. We're speaking to the Father. In the same way, build one another up. We're not bowing down and worshiping one another. That's not my point. But praise is praise. We're giving accolades of nature and character. All you guys just talked about right now is your character. You understand? When you do this, several years ago, I was watching the Pro Bowl. You guys know what the Pro Bowl is? The Pro Bowl is the best of the National Football League players from each team, uh, or actually each position, from the NFL and the AFL, and they get together and they play over here in Hawaii one week, I think, before the Super Bowl. And so the best of the best get together every year, 
Uh, and it's huge for your resume. I'm a pro bowler, okay? They get together and they play this game. And at the end of the game, every time they switch helmets and they sign their autographs on each other's helmets. And then this uh, reporter was like, why do you guys do that? You know, Ben Roethlisberger, he was the, still is, but he's the quarterback for Pittsburgh um, Steelers. And he says, I want my children's children's children to know that I played and I ran with the best. And the Lord spoke to me and he goes, that's how I want my children to see each other. Okay, when you begin to praise each other like this, you have to wait. You have to think about it. And any fool can call any negative out of anybody. Flesh can call flesh out easily. Don't even have to think about it. It's when you're calling God's DNA out of a person. You literally are prophesying them into their best. Why? Proverbs 15, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. When you're speaking all of these things over her, every lie that disagrees suddenly rears its head. And then she has this power, this authority to choose if she wants it or not. You're giving her a choice just by giving her praise about who, she's, who she is. Does that make sense? So when you're doing this, you're actually making yourself come under the authority and the accountability of that which you're confessing about this other person. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 5 says, We no longer esteem each other according to the ways of our flesh, the way that I think of you just in my own human mentality. Now we hold each other accountable and we, we, we treat each other according to the glorious riches of our callings, of our sonship. If you start doing that, you're going to realize that you're not r- running with deficits as people on your team. You're running with all-stars that you got to get to know. Lord, who am I running with? Who do you say he is? Who do you say she is? Therefore, there's no such thing as deserving anything on your outreach. It's I get to. What honor I have to be running with you guys. Does that make sense? The key to unity in your group is humility. It's the key. The kingdom key. Unity will just flourish in humility from one to another. How are you made humble between you and other people? You can't believe you get to run with such amazing people. How do you do that? You pray for them. And God begins to show you who he surrounded you with because he loves you. So he surrounded you with incredible people. Does that make sense? I'm going to do one more thing. Close your eyes. How did the father make his daughter right here? With what intention? love about her how did he create her attributes characteristics wait on the holy spirit and the holy spirit will show you who this beautiful creation is right here and then tell her speak what you hear that's life right there life in the kingdom is not all you're going to do for the lord life in the kingdom is jesus constantly conforming you day by day into his image life in the kingdom And as he's reconciling you into himself for that, he reconciles the world to himself through you. So you never have to be perfect in order to be usable now. On your journey, you glow in the dark, and he draws the world to himself through you. Okay? There's so much pressure off of us to have to do something. All right, extend your hands. Pray for her. 
answer with all that that you just heard. Submit yourself under the accountability of the father to treat his daughter the way he made her. Of the orphan. I want to show you the origin of relationship. I want to show you the origin of sin. Okay, where it starts. And it does not start with Adam and Eve. All right then, we will bond. Revelation, what did I say? 12, verse 7. Someone read, start reading there. Now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Just how you read the word is every phrase. If you don't understand the phrase, don't go to the next one. Stop there and start searching. Okay? Read the word like I read my wife's emails. And her love letters to me. When she did her DTS, she went up to the Amazon. And this is back when there were no such thing as emails. Yes, there was such a day. Which is not far, long ago. Um, and so she wrote me a letter every week. Okay? No, we're dating. And... So she wrote me a letter. Before she left, she had written all these letters, and I was supposed to open them up each week, right? And so my friend gets my fr my friend tells me that his his girlfriend went also on a trip to Brazil and came back, breaking off their engagement and marrying like Mario or someone down there. And so I was like so worried. Um, yeah, and so. Every time I'd open her letter, I would I would read it and I would read it again. I remember like she would read or she would write a letter and this front and back, like it was six pages, but it was front and back. And I was so stoked that there's like more on the back. And I would read the first part and it was so good. I would just put it down, and I would go get some coffee, come back, take my time, turn it over. Oh, that's so nice. And then I'd read it again. Then I'd read between the lines. I wonder what she means by that. Okay. That's how you read the scripture. You're so curious about the one who loves you, the one who's pursuing you. Every word is a message from the Father's heart talking about Jesus and his radical pursuit to you. Okay? That's how you read the scripture. No, Revelation 7 or 12 verse 7. What are we learning there? What's the, just highlight things that you see that's, that stick out to you. There was a war in heaven, which means if you have a war at any given moment, there are at least how many sides? So if there are two sides in heaven, does that mean there was choice in heaven? Just want to make sure we're good. Okay, keep going. The drag So it's between the dragon and who? Between the dragon and his angels and Michael and his angels so the dragon lucifer had angels who were loyal to lucifer is that what we're saying okay keep going what else sticks out to you 
There was a no longer a place for Lucifer and his angels in heaven, which indicates what? Say again. Well, if there's no longer a place for them, does that mean that there was a place for Lucifer in heaven? Just want to make sure we're establishing these things. Okay. What else? What else do you see? He was hurled down to the earth. Was he hurled down by himself? And he and his angels were hurled down. Okay, keep going. So Revelation 12 identifies his name. And by identifying his name, you'll see a little comma and then what he does. Because his name is what he does. What's his name? Leads the whole world astray. Deceiver, anything, anything else? Accuser. So Lucifer, we're going to meet, we're going to find out in a minute, is a beautiful name. It means morning star. The, the, the brightest star. What is a star? When the Bible refers to star. What is star? Angel. Okay. Brightest star. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to put up his resume up here for you in just a minute. Okay. You're going to see how incredible he had it. Okay. We're going to see why there was a war. And we're going to identify what sin is. We're going to show you the original sin and how he leads the world astray in sin. Does that sound okay? Knowing this gives you power and authority to recognize the enemy five miles away rather than chewing on your ear. So some of us were getting up, you know, you, many of you that I think there's like close to 20 of you who are, you know, meeting with staff side, you know, on the sidebar. And we're taking you through deliverance so that we can get him these things off of us so that we can then therefore see him five miles away. You can discern strongholds. You can discern principalities. You... When I fly to different places where I'm going to speak, the strongholds or the principalities there meet me on the plane because they know I'm coming. And it's amazing. By the time I get there, I know what I'm supposed to do. Okay? You'll learn how to do that. You're going to India. Watch. The strongholds will present themselves to you. The principalities will present themselves to you. Not so that they can overwhelm you. It's so that that you can overwhelm them. So you move in the opposite of spirit wherever you go. That's how you overcome the principalities over the city as you love the people. We're going to teach you how to do that. Okay. So move to about this war. Move to Ezekiel something. 28. Ezekiel 28. 28. Who likes Lord of the Rings? Excuse me? So we need to stand your hands for prayer. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it was it, was it you? Stand your hands. I'm kidding. Lord of the Rings, um, J.R.R. Tolkien. He's about to describe something. Do you remember Gandalf? Come on. It's when he comes to Theoden. 
And he says, dark have been these halls of late. And Grima Wormtongue says, he's not welcome here. He's a herald of woe. And then Theoden says, why should I welcome you, Gandalf? Something crow, storm crow. Remember that? Go to Ezekiel 28, start at verse 14. What Tolkien is doing is he's describing this. So Gandalf, do you guys remember the scene I'm talking about? Gandalf speaks to Theoden. Saruman responds. Saruman is sitting in his tower. Gandalf is in Theoden's temple. Is in, in the king's, we, we don't know what we're talking about. Okay, so come here. Come here. We're going to visualize this. All right, Saruman. You're King Theoden. So turn and face me. All right. I release you from the spell. Remember what he does? So you got to go. You got to go. Ha, 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 ha. Why should I? What does he say? He's like, ah. Oh, he says, you have no power here, Gandalf the Grey. All right. You, he says it. You see Theoden saying it. But Saruman is actually saying it through King Theoden. Do you understand? So here's, here's Gandalf speaking to Theoden, and Saruman is speaking through Theoden back to Gandalf. And then they have war over Theoden. And there's this, he's like, if I go, he dies. Rohan is mine. He's like, you didn't kill me. You're not going to kill him. Remember that? And he puts his, his staff towards him, and he's, the spell is broken. And then the next scene you see is Saruman sliding across his temple floor okay does that make sense okay thank you thank you yes thank you for that that was very beautiful just give the lady a hand yes all right that's what was happening so Gandalf is speaking to Theoden Saruman who has a curse on Theoden begins to speak through Theoden back to Gandalf claiming Theoden claiming the king you can't have him he's mine all right that's what you're reading right here So what you're seeing is God is speaking to Ezekiel saying, take up a lamentation against the king of, this is the king of Tyre, I believe. Okay. So God speaks to Ezekiel, to the king of Tyre, to Lucifer. Okay. You guys with me? And he's going to say, Lucifer, I see you behind the king of Tyre. I see you. Don't you remember what you did? And he's going to bring back to him right now, to Lucifer, the memory of how he fell. You guys with me? All right, I need a volunteer to write on the board because my handwriting is terrible because I've typed too many years. Yes, ma'am. So what I want you to put up here is Lucifer's resume. I, I, I want to put it this way, okay? I, I just want to give, I, I want to give you awareness of who he is. I don't want to spend so much time on him. Okay, because we have so much victory over him. But I want to show you who he is and how he acts and why. Is that okay? And you're going to realize how personal it's been against you all these years. And you're going to learn to absolutely hate sin and the, the original sinner. Okay? All right, here we go. So someone read this out. Start at verse, what did I tell you? 14. Who wants to read that? Someone... D- where? 14. 
It should, yes. You were anointed as a guardian of, is it Cherub? Okay. Uh, where are we? There we go. Son of man, take up a lament uh, concerning the king of uh, Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone ador- uh, adorned you. Every precious stone adorned you. Uh, Carnelian, uh, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and whatever that says, beryl. And that's beryl. Yeah. beryl. Check one, two. Picture Lucifer with his beautiful robe, and it was filled with every jewel that was ever been created. It was in his robe, okay? Now keep going. Your settings and uh, mountings were made of gold. Stop right there. Settings and mountings. So you guys know like a drum kit. On the kit, you have this bar. It's a core bar, and it's a setting, or it's a mounting bar. And so all the drums will come off of that. It's not on the floor. You have your floor toms, but you have your regular toms that are mounted on this core bar. So these gold settings were in this robe and on, to, on Lucifer himself, and the settings would protrude out instruments because what was he? What, was, what did he do? He was a worship leader. Okay. Okay, keep going. On the day you were created, they, they were prepared. Going. On the day you were created, all this was prepared for you. And then the Lord says, and I did it. Yeah, keep going. You were an- That's where you go. What's that reference? What was the cherubim and the seraphim? And where were they? And what were they covering? Think tabernacle of Moses. Say it again. You had your outer court, your inner court, your holy, and your holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, you had the Ark of the Covenant, which had the presence of God, and which was protected by the cherubim and the seraphim. Okay? So to be a cherub guardian, what are you doing? So Lucifer protected the presence of God on the holy mountain. Keep going. Guardian cherub. And it, did you say that he anointed him for that? Uh, yeah, you were anointed as a guardian of cherub. What does it mean to be anointed? Say, say it again. Yes. Chosen. To be anointed means to be set apart for a task. He's anointed you. He set you apart from everyone else to do that. Okay, some are anointed for evangelism. Some are anointed for leading worship. Some are anointed as prophets. Some are anointed as pioneers. He set you apart to complete that that he's called you to do. Keep going. 
For so I uh, ordained you. There we go. So we know that God ordained and anointed Lucifer to be guardian cherub of the presence of God on the holy mountain of God as worship leader, perfect in beauty, full of wisdom, model of perfection, blah, 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 blah. Okay? Are you guys with me? Please look at me real quick. Let them do what they're doing there. It's beautiful and glorious, but stay with me. All right? Keep going. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Keep going. Keep going. You were blameless, blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Wait, he, you just said blameless in your ways. That's crazy. Lucifer. Blameless in his ways. And all the heavenly hosts, the angels all around he was the only created being allowed on the mountain of God with the uncreated creator. Are we together? And he was blameless. What, is your, what else does your word say right there? He's blameless from the beginning. What, is, what else does it say? What does it say? Righteousness? No, that's until. But where does it say where it says uh, he was blameless? What else does your word say instead of blameless? Perfect in his ways. What else? What verse are we on? 15. So look at 15. Does it say blameless or does it say something else? Righteous. Until. You are. You're. The day evil was found in you. What else? What do you have? Mine says, till wickedness was found in you. Wickedness. What else? Unrighteousness. What? Iniquity. What is that? Sin. He was perfect in all of his ways until sin was... Keep, keep reading. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Keep going. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your, sanct- your sanctuaries. <coughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Right there. So through his widespread trade... Look at his resume on the board, please. I'll put it in an analogy that really hits home. So you come to YOM and you do your DTS and you're just so happy to be here. I'm just so happy to be here. God, yes. He's moving and you get freedom and you get deliverance and you find him. You hear his voice and it's beautiful and then... You feel that you want to be on staff, and so you sign up to be on staff, and you're just so honored, and you're just so excited. And there's one day when all of that, I'm just so honored to be here, it, turn, it starts turning into, I deserve. I deserve more. Do you know what I carry? I'm not being used enough. Do you know what I carry? This is where that comes from. An orphan needs more in order to validate himself because what he has already is not good enough. As soon as he arrives, it's not good enough. 
it's great and it's awesome until I get there. Now I'm doing it and now it's not good enough because I'm here now. Does that make sense? So we're going we're gonna to show you how this orphan thing, it, it killed Lucifer. Okay? And so, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Because the word says so. That's how I got it. Where is he a fallen angel? Revelation 12, 7 through 13. Okay? That's where that is. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. That's where you find it. So let's go to Isaiah 14. That'll help you. Perfect. Thank you. Okay? Isaiah 14, start at 12. This is another reference. I know. It's another reference of God speaking to Isaiah through the king of Babylon to Lucifer. Okay? Again, Gandalf, Theoden, Sodermon. This is why Tolkien's doing this. Okay? The whole thing is this beautiful backdrop of the image of God. The kingdom, the two kingdoms fighting one another. Okay? So, started Isaiah 14, 12. See what it says. What's that say? Yeah, go ahead. Does that help you? Right there. Okay, so we'll talk later. Morning star is the brightest angel. How far you have fallen. Keep going. Keep going. What are stars of God? All right, just making sure we're... So Lucifer is the cherubim angel. Isaiah 28, he says it. I named you guardian cherub angel. Okay? Say again. Ezekiel 30, uh, 28, 14 through 21. Okay? Read the whole story, then I can, I can talk with you later. Okay? So Isaiah 14, 12 is talking about the actual sin itself. You said in your heart, remember Ezekiel 28 says, you were perfect and blameless in all of your ways until you sinned against God and you fell from heaven and I cast you out, right? Isaiah 14 talks about the actual sin itself. All right, here we go. You said in your heart, stop. Did you hear the sin? What was it? Do you know what a principality of humanism says? You are God. For the in, now, remember in the Garden of Eden, there was a choice in heaven. How do we know? Because there was a war, two sides. Lucifer and his angels fought against Michael and his angels. Revelation 12, 7 through 13. Okay? Ezekiel 28 talks about who he was. And he talks about by his widespread trade, he believed he deserved more and he was going to overthrow heaven. Do we know our French, a coup d'etat? 
He was taking a coup. He was going to make a coup. Okay? Overthrow the government of God. And so because of that, the Lord says, there's no longer a place found for you in heaven, and he cast him out. Okay? Where did he cast him to? Earth and his angels. Now, in Genesis, there's also choice in the garden. What are the, what are the two choices? One second. Tree of life. Tree of life represents what? Think sonship. Intimacy. Dependency on God. Okay? Now, the word says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the garden in the afternoon. That's pretty pretty cool, yes? That would be awesome. So, there was a choice in the garden as well, the tree of life, and the Lord says, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan comes and says, surely you won't die. For the Lord knows secretly, if you eat from this tree, you will what? Become like God. So in the very areas that Lucifer fell, he tempts you to be. Every sin that we ever commit, we have to be God of our lives in that moment to do it. Are you with me? And so what the enemy will do is he'll try to say, hey, come over here, void of your relationship with the Lord, and let's have this time between ourselves. Now remember your thumb? Take out your thumb. The wound happens. Something happens to me. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. That's not demonic. That's not, it just, it happened. It may happen because the other person was under the influence of lies. That happens a lot. Okay. It may be just an accident and whatever happened. We're trying to figure out why, why did that happen? What's going on? Why did my dad say that to me? Why did my parents get divorced? Whatever is causing wounds and the enemy comes in and says that happens because, Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 10 talks about taking up every thought captive. He masquerades as your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, those kinds of things. Now think about the lies that we've been believing even up to this moment right now. Right? When you know the liar and you know that's not your imagination or you know the liar and you know that's not true, it's amazing what authority you have to to send him where he needs to go. Isn't that right? Okay. So what he does is he appeals to a mindset that's separate from the relationship with God. Why did that happen? When I walked in, now I have to, I have to just be very clear with you. This is wonderful. Um, your school is one of the most free. Is that right? Freest? Most free? schools I've ever spoken in, okay? Um, there had been some schools. Um, but if he can, how would I say this? He, he works in three ways. Can I just give you the three ways because I'm up against time, but I want to give you the three ways that, is that okay? Okay. Three ways that the enemy works. He appeals to your mind, always appealing to your mind. Okay, the tree of knowledge to eat it. What are you what you are doing is you're making yourself like God. This is where relativity comes from. 
the basic principle of relativity, theoretical relativity, is that I'm not talking about quantum physics and all that stuff. I'm talking about monotheistic relativity. Basically, God is who you say he is, who he needs to be for you. Is that dangerous? <laughs> That's really dangerous. Um, the Muslim religion, Jewish religion, Christian religion, it all leads to the same God. That kind of thing. Okay? My word says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but, by th but through me. Yes? The enemy will use the spheres. How about media? How's he doing there? How about arts and entertainment? I mean, seriously, how's he doing? I think it was 13 years now, uh, 13 years ago, the first uh, homosexual relationship was placed on TV, and it was a major uproar. There's more than 200 episodes now with homosexual activity, and it's no big deal. Let me ask you this. What is normal? Define normal. It's pretty close. It's, it's whatever the majority says it is. So in fashion, if you wear something in this past fall, that's from this past fall. That's so this past fall. That's so out of date. What's wrong? You know, it's normal is quickly moving. Okay. And he has this ability to influence the spheres, but he does it one person at a time. How does he do that? Okay. The enemy will come and he will appeal to your flesh. Take it. Go to Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. Hmm. I really want to get off the enemy as fast as I can, but I really want you to understand how he works. Matthew 16, 24. What does it say? Or either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Is that Matthew sixteen twenty four? <laughs> that that was a great scripture. Hallelujah! Can we say hallelujah to that word? Amen. Woo! That's a good word. Oops. Matthew sixteen twenty four. <laughs> We got the mic down. Okay, did you hear that? So Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to come follow me, what do they do? Deny themselves. Take up their cross. Follow me. So you're not going to follow him unless you learn how to die to live. Why? Let's go with your scripture. You can't serve two masters. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we be dead to sin yet live in it at the same time? You guys with me? So to deny yourself the flesh 
is to deny the receptacle that he appeals to to get you to fall in sin. What's the receptacle? Flesh. What does the flesh do? Disobey. Your flesh is constantly selfish. Okay? And so the way that you do that, you say, Lord, I give you my life this morning. You're God. I'm not. Be God over my emotions. Be God over my responses, my reactions. I am not my own. I belong to you. Why do you do that? Because you kill the receptacle from any of the three things I'm about to give you that the enemy wants to appeal you to you with. Ready? One. Deception. We know that Satan, the actual meaning of Satan, is accuser, deceiver, betrayer. Okay? And the Lord, the enemy loves to use something that happened and tell you why it happened. Look in your own life. All we've been doing all week is bringing lies off of you. Painful things happen. Those are wounds. God wants to heal the wound, but he has to get the lies and the, the strongholds off of your mind so that he can heal the heart. And he literally will do it simultaneously. It's beautiful. Okay? So if I'm walking with purity, okay, and something happens to me when I'm eight years old or something happens with, you know, I need to fit in at school and I'm being rejected, so I have to fit in. So I, I, I hear this. If you just do these things, you'll receive love. And so I move my purity meter over just a little bit under this thing of deception i know before that happens that those things i would never do i would never do those things those are obvious sins and my parents have told me right don't do those things but something happens and something comes in there's a wound something spoke somebody spoke i got rejected at school my parents divorced something weakens me and i go screw it to authority did you hear me the orphan heart comes in when we close our heart to authority. I'm going to tell you in a minute about this beautiful thing called authority. Okay? Children, obey your parents, and things will go well with you. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Inheritance. Even if your mom and your dad are not walking in true inheritance, you can still get the inheritance they didn't know how to give to you. Okay? So he moves you from a place of walking in purity, deceiving you. That happened because of this. That happened because of this. And you start taking lies for truth. And suddenly, the temptation of those things you would never do, now it sounds pretty plausible. Are you with me? So first is deception. This happened because, and he feeds you lies. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 9, we're going to talk about it. Is so important. Take every thought captive. Bring it to the light. Because what the enemy loves to do is isolate you. Anybody ever feel that before? Let's say when you, you sinned. You know you sinned. Do you just, hey guys, I just wanted to tell everybody I looked at pornography yesterday and that's hard. That's so difficult. And the Lord says, bring it to the light. When you bring it to the light, it renders the enemy powerless. What we do is, oh man. We isolate. Why? Because we protect what we've done because we're ashamed of it. And so we move over here. And if the enemy can get you isolated, then he has a field day. Why? Because you're not bringing it to the light. You're not sharing it with anybody. You're not defeating that. You're not receiving the blood of the lamb and you're not moving on. 
You just stay in that place. Okay? And so he loves to deceive. If he can deceive you, and he'll just throw things. Ephesians 6 says he shoots his fiery darts at you. Whatever will stick, he'll feed there. Are you guys with me so far? I'm looking at your faces. I'm not sure if you are understanding what I'm saying. Okay. All right. So when we sin, we have this thing in in Romans 5 or Romans 4, and it talks about evil conscience. Okay. We know we've said, oh, no, I've sinned. It's in this moment that we have to plead the blood. We'll talk about that as well. First thing is deception. He deceives you even on what the word would say about your sin and about the Father's love for you. He deceives you to find your own information on your own. Okay? He deceives you into a place where he can tempt you into doing things that were previously off limits and now you're going to do them. Do we know what I'm saying? Once there's a temptation that you fall into, guess what the third one is? You guys tell me from your own life experience. What do you feel when you sinned? Condemnation. Accusation. Huh? Shame. Guys, I've been breaking condemnation and shame off you all week. Okay? You guys are meeting one-on-one with your staff and they're taking you through deliverance. I'm telling you, condemnation and shame is coming off so many of you guys. Okay? So he deceives you. He tempts you. He accuses you. You've sinned. Shame says this. I would love to do those things with everybody else, but don't you know who I am? I can never be that free. Yes? Okay. So this is why we go through what we call deliverance, but just the Holy Spirit is just setting you free. Okay. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the shattered wounds of the heart. Those are wounds. Remember the thumb. And to set free the captive from the imprisonments of their mind. Lies here. Okay. Destroyed heart here. So the enemy appeals to the mind. Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Separate from your relationship from the Lord. Over here. That's why we got to kill flesh every day. Every day. I give my tree back every day. I am not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which makes me judge, jury, and God over every situation by my opinions. I'm going to eat from the tree of, the, of the tree of life. Intimacy, sonship, you're driving, I'm riding. You're Lord, I'm not. Sin, all sin comes back to the original thing that you just read in Isaiah 14. I will be like God. Every sin, doesn't matter what's committed, it comes back to that thing. Okay? So a pure heart before the Lord is, you are God, I am not. If you start there, Psalm 139, search my heart for any unclean thing. What happens is the orphan turns into the son. The orphan turns into the daughter, okay? What you're setting yourself up for is a revelation and the receiving of the father's love for your life, okay? And when you begin to see how he sees you, truth dispels the lie. That's why we say the truth sets you free. That's why we say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty from what? What I was imprisoned from. Who put it there? The enemy is constantly, what does the word say? He's prowling around seeking whom to devour. 
What does he devour you with? Lies. Who does he use? You guys tell me. Who can he use to feed lies and deceptions to you? Who? People you're close to. And why would that work? Because you trust them. So when they feed you lies and you trust them, what, what does that do to your trust? Do, do we, any of us have trust issues? <laughs> you're like, that's me, yep. I understand it. That's the first thing that's betrayed. Okay, in your fire and in your passion for God, I still sense fear of man with you. Okay, fear of the future, those kinds of things. Those are okay. That's that may, you know we walk through those things. The Lord is bigger. He takes care of those things. He wants to heal every wound. So what he has to do is he has to remove the lies that are in your heart, that are in your mind, the things that you think about yourself. All of warfare is over that one proverb in Proverbs 15. As a man thinks, so he becomes. So he looks for two things as he's feeding you these deceptions. One, he's looking for your confession of said lie. Have you ever said to anyone or out into air, I'm a failure? Anybody ever said that? No one's ever going to love me. I'm so ugly, no girl will ever love me. You're confessing what the enemy's feeding you. Some of you guys in here, there's one specifically. A, a girl hurt you, and now you're scared of women. Since that, just a word of knowledge, okay? So you globalize all women based on what that one woman did to you because the, Lord, the enemy has fed you that women are scary and they're all going to see you like that one girl did. Does that make sense? Do I need to stop? Okay, thank you. So you globalize. Why? Because you're trying to protect yourself. What does the mind do when it comes over the heart? I'll protect you. So that won't happen again. The problem is the mind is you eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Your flesh is protecting your heart. And the enemy's like, yeah, that's right. Do that. Here come my arrows. Start making sense. And he uses people we love because we trust them. And even though it hurts, we accept it because they love us. And so they probably mean well. So I need to learn. How, oh, oh that's, is that who I am? And, and then we, we grow up with these lies that are covering these wounds. And you can be 45 years old. And that happened at 17 years old. And you're, you're the failure. You're, and, you're, and, and you're always going to see that way until the Lord removes the lie. says, can I have that wound? Okay. So he looks for two things. One of them is the confession. The other is your action and your behavior out of that lie. When you believe it, you start acting out that lie. Is this making sense? This is typical warfare. Now, how is warfare manifested? Through relationships. Yay! So you meet someone who is very insecure, or let's say they're a leader and they're wounded and they're orphaned. Can they father you or mother you? No. 
because they're not son and they're not a daughter. So they can lead you, they can direct you, and it's all going to be performance. Anybody have performance-based parents? Okay? And so you perform to get love, but you can never get love that you're looking for. Okay? Well, they didn't have perform. They have performance-based parents themselves. It's all on works. And so rejection re- grows up a child who's rejected, and they're still, all they can think of is themselves. And so they can't give love to other people, and they can't raise people, and they can't promote other people because they're still trying to validate themselves. Does that make sense? And so wounded people wound people. I say wounded generations wound generations. This is where the orphan heart comes from, okay? It's when I don't like myself. Well, what is it based on? Lies. But I think they're true. So I'm going to act on them. And if anyone tries to tell me different, this is why I had you guys stand up here. Why? Because when you guys spoke truth, what happened to you? You had to decide whether or not you're going to accept it. What an amazing moment of warfare. You lived that. You chose truth. And then what happened? Gush of emotion. God healing wounds. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Am am I communicating okay? All right. Let me go through just a few things here. I want to show you just an identification of a son or a daughter, identification of the orphan heart. All right? In an orphan's heart, the image of God is the middle. That's the topic. Orphan's heart, we see God as master. In heart of sonship, we see God as loving father. Isn't that good? I mean, there's life changing. Dependency. An orphan's heart is independent, self-reliant. I don't need anyone. Heart of sonship is interdependent, acknowledges need. I need God and I need people. It's good. You start recognizing people around you for the amazing gifts. Your most successful business people will surround themselves with other people who are better than them at what they do. Did you hear that? So you're going to see your amazing gifts and then the things that you're maybe okay at and the things you know you're not good at. You surround yourself with people who are amazing at the things that you're okay at and that you're not good at. And you're fully secure. And you know you need them because you know who you are. Okay? Just to give an example in business. Theology. You live by the love of law. Okay, I'm just a little play on words here. Orphan's heart. By the law. I have to do everything right. Heart of sonship, you live by the law of love. I love you where you are. Okay? Security. From an orphan's heart, just your walk with insecurity. You have a lack of peace, and you're making sure that no one attacks you, and you're always ready. You're always ready. Okay? This is where a conquering spirit comes from. You feel like you're defending against everybody, but to them, you're completely consuming them with rage and anger. But you don't even know it. You're just defending yourself. It's called a conquering spirit. Okay? Security. Did I just do that one? Secure? Yeah, I did. 
motive behind Christian disciplines. The orphan heart, it's duty and earning God's favor or there's no motivation at all. Measuring up to something and God's already freely given you everything and you're trying to make it. In other words, you're you're going back to the Old Testament. Okay? And the heart of sonship, you know his pleasure and delight. All of Sunday, Monday, and yesterday, I couldn't stop I couldn't stop crying in front of you guys because all I was feeling is his pleasure. Okay? He just he's so proud of me. Did you know that? My God is so proud of me. And I love that. And he just that never gets old, by the way. Never gets old. Motive for purity in an orphaned heart, quote, must be holy to have God's favor, thus increasing a sense of shame and guilt. It perpetuates itself, okay? If I fail, I go deeper into shame. I determine what failure is. I go deeper into guilt, deeper into shame, deeper into condemnation, and guess what you do? Screw it. I'm not going to try anymore, okay? Under a heart of sonship, I want to be holy, do not want anything to hinder intimate relationship with God. Did you guys get that? That's the thing. When you see things that are happening, you check everything in with the Lord. You go, God, do you approve of that? Is that, is that going to hinder my relationship or is that going to help my relationship? Is it going to grow it? Is it going to separate? Oh, then I don't want it. I don't want it. And it's not based on the love of law, like you determining from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil as Lord of your own life. That's not good for me. It's like, Lord, what's your pleasure? What's your pleasure? The sonship, the heart of sonship is rooted in intimacy, in relationship. You guys were praising each other so much here. Why? Because you just spent the last 11 weeks with one another. And you know each other. And God wants you to take everything back to him through that type of relationship where you know each other. You can praise him. You can sing out with all your heart that he's faithful because you know what you mean. And he's so merciful in like 10 Testimonies come up in your mind as you're singing about his mercy. Okay. All right. Self-image. Oh, man, this is huge. Self-rejection from comparing yourself to others. Okay. We we all have struggled with that. Okay. I'm just identifying that comes from an orphan heart where you don't know who you are. Therefore, you're looking to others to try to see how you can fit in. Okay. The enemy can have a field day with that and deceive you that you're not good enough. Somebody said you're not, I think it was Michaela, everything you do, you get a gold medal. That's beautiful. That is kingdom. You're not second best. How was that for you when you heard that? Right? It just slayed these lies right in the moment because you choose, yes, I want that. I believe that I have, for you to choose truth, you have to abandon the lie. That's massive warfare and it's beautiful, okay? And every single one of you can have and will continue to do that, okay? Source of comfort in the orphan heart. You seek comfort in counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness, hyper-religious activities. I just put that in there just for you guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Source of comfort. It could be pornography. A lot of the things that I see here with the orphan heart is fantasy. 
Okay. I steal away. It could be as innocuous as just movies or TV. It could be Facebook. All right, some of our spiritual sons and daughters, I'll, we really had to challenge them because they spent hours and hours every week on Facebook. What you do is you're living in a different world that really doesn't exist. And suddenly you're comparing yourself in this narcissistic way with everybody else and Twitter and Social media is telling you that you got to be all these places in order to not miss God. And you're feeling like you're missing everywhere you go. So you got to run to this and run to that. And then something's happened over there. I got to no. Why are we doing that? It comes from this orphan heart that makes you feel like you have to be there to be special. Is that lost on you guys? Does that make sense what I'm saying? It may not be here, but it's what I see in, in L.A. It's massive. It's massive. Well, the heart of sonship, you seek times of quietness and solitude to rest. Rest is good in the Father's presence and in his love. Peer relationships, all right? In an orphan heart, competition. Constant comparison with you and your peers. Rivalry. Resentment. Jealousy toward others. You're requiring success or a position. And if others are successful and they get a position, you are jealous of them. You're not celebratory for them. You're not, you're not celebrating with them. Okay? In peer relationships, in a heart of sonship, humility and unity as you value others and are able to rejoice in their blessings and success. Okay? You guys are going to get awesome opportunity to test all of this out on your outreach glory to god okay handling others faults with an orphan heart there's accusation and exposure in order to make yourself look good by making others look bad there's always that temptation there especially if you are insecure and you see in your heart that they're better than you is there if there's a way to pull them down and to lift you up you'll take that chance that's an orphan heart okay and a heart of sonship let you love others as you seek to restore others in a spirit of love and gentleness and I'll even say this secretness there's a there's a when we when we restore people when we when we hold people accountable Matthew 18 says do it in the quiet do it in the secret so as we correct we protect. We always cover. Just, you know, 2,000 people don't need to know what we're correcting our sons and daughters in as we're walking them in the ways of the kingdom to get their freedom. Okay? So you, cor- you correct, but you protect. Matthew 18, peer-to-peer, you go to your brother and you submit your hurt to their feet. You don't shoot an arrow in their heart with it. You just lay it at their feet. Sons can do that. Daughters can do that. Why? Because remember what I told you. You're holding them up. You're pulling them up in accountability to the best of who they are, not defending a wounded heart. Sons do that. Daughters do that. Okay. Just just a few more here. View of authority. In an orphan heart, you you see authority as a source of pain. Can anybody relate with that? Anybody, raise your hands. You see authority as a 
source of pain. And I think God has been healing you through this entire school and this area, and that's great. You're distrustful toward them and a lack and lack a heart of uh, a heart attitude of submission. To submit to authority. Can I give you that definition really quick? To submit. It means to get up underneath and hoist up. That's what it means to submit. Okay? To submit to authority. So your authority in this room, do you know who your leaders are? So to submit to them is to get underneath their vision for the school, especially staff, and push them up. Isn't that a good analogy? And you do that until the Lord is moving you on and graduating you forward. And he will graduate you forward. And everywhere you go, you're going to have leaders of authority over you until you're that leader of authority. So it takes great followers to learn how to be great leaders. That are on you to walk with authority because you won't abuse the people who are under your authority. You'll father them. You'll mother them. You'll use that authority as a mother or a father to take what favor God has given you and you spread it out like seed like this. And you plant everywhere. That's what fathers do. That's what mothers do. Orphans say, you're all here to make me look good. Fathers and daughters say, I'm here to raise you up in the ways of the father. Okay, so what favor I have, I'm going to pull you up to where I am, and then I'm going to hoist you forward, and it's my joy to do it, okay? That's what my wife and I, we delight to do that, okay? All right, two more. View of admonition, difficulty receiving admonition or correction. You must be right so you easily get your feelings hurt and close your spirit to discipline. Orphan. Heart of sonship, you see the receiving of an admonition as a blessing and need in your life so that your faults and weaknesses are exposed and put to death. So you see someone who corrects you as your helper. They're your Man, thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. Now I'm going to focus. Lord, can you deal with that? Okay. Expression of love. Orphan heart is guarded conditional, cynical. Based upon others' performances or performance as you seek to get your own needs met. Okay? Heart of sonship. Expression of love. You're open, you're patient, and affectionate as you lay your life and agendas down in order to meet the needs of others. Are you serious? That's amazing. So could we be so secure with ourselves that we look around and see others who are around us and you see their needs and you just love to help them get them solved? What would that look like? So you guys are going to be called into arts and entertainment, into the sports arena, some of you guys, into media and broadcasting and business and entrepreneurship and education and these beautiful moms and dads in this room. And you have to be a son. You have to be a daughter. To be a son and a daughter there, you have great levels of influence. Okay? And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to rid you from your identity so that he may rid you from your destiny, from your calling. 
Okay, go to 2 Corinthians 10 really quick and then we'll quit. We'll stop. 2 Corinthians 10. Start with verse 3. Someone read that. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Keep going. For the weapons, excuse me. Um, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Hmm. Keep going. Uh, we destroy arguments and even lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Beautiful. That's how you do this. So is every, does that mean like half your thoughts? A third of your thoughts? What does it mean to take every thought? That's exhausting. Uh, It kind of is at first. But you get to this point where whatever comes into your conscience immediately checks in with the tree of life. If it doesn't meet that category that's, It's from sonship and from a place of intimacy. You instantly go, it's not me. It's not you. Get out. It's done. Okay? It could be the Lord. It could be your imaginations. It could be your flesh. It could be the enemy. It says take all thoughts captive. Give them to Jesus. If it's Jesus, he'll give it back to you with his beautiful peace, this confirmation with his love, and you'll know he's loving you. Does that make sense? This is how you discern his voice. And then you learn to discern his voice over time very, very quickly. Okay? And it just gets easier and easier and easier. He says, my sheep know my voice. And you begin to distinguish his voice over imaginations and the enemy. Where, Like when you go to Tokyo, Japan, the, 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 the thought life goes to two places, suicide and pornography quickly and you have to go i rebuke that lord i give that to you i'm walking straight lord i give that to you i'm not going to take it to dinner i'm not going to bring it home i'm not going to even converse with it i give that to you because here's the point about the whole thing about battle the battle belongs to the lord so give it to him to wage war you don't have to sit there and contend with something like your rest you have total authority Your authority first is in your death so that it is in Christ's authority in your new life. Can I I give you one more scripture? One more. Colossians 3. Start verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1. What does it say? Someone just read it. Shout it out. I'll tell you when to stop. Beautiful. Set your minds on things above. That's your thought life. Set it on things above. Father, what are you thinking? Lord, that just happened. What do you think about what just happened before I say what I think about what that happened? So before I eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I want to eat from the tree of life. Every reaction. And the Lord teaches you instead of reacting to that guy that just pissed me off right now, I'm going to respond to you. Lord, what do you do? What do you want? Forgive him. Yes, Lord. Obedience. Yes, Lord. I forgive him. 
Okay, set your minds on things above. Set your heart, your affections on things above. Where Christ is, where where is Christ? Tell me. Seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says, you have died and your new life is hidden in Christ. It means two things. If you die every day to your flesh, you get to the point where the enemy cannot locate your position. Where did he go? I know he was right there, and I only see the Son. I only see Jesus. Your new life is hidden in Christ. Okay? Is that encouraging? Where he goes to shoot arrows at you, he sees Jesus going, what? Ah, let's get out of here. The word says in Ephesians 6, you stand on the word, you stand on the truth, and you resist the devil, and he just flees. Did he just flee from you when you were just rebuking him? Absolutely. Easily. Okay? The authority is not you. The authority is Christ in you. Okay? The enemy had incredible things. He had intimacy on the holy mount. He had authority. He was perfect in all of these things. He lost it all. And then he gets to watch God make man in his own image for intimacy. I'll sum it up for you. Satan is jealous of you. God is jealous for you. There's your warfare. Satan is jealous of you. God is jealous for you. God is saying, come home to me. And the enemy is saying, look over here. Come home. You're nothing. Come home. You're my daughter. I love you. You're this. You're that. You're this. Come home. Come home. Come to me. Okay? That's the warfare. And you get this beautiful, most powerful weapon called free will in the midst of it. And there's mercy for you when you get it wrong. And there's grace for you so you don't have to get it wrong. There's, there's mercy for our sin. The mercy stays the wrath of God, cancels it. Romans 8, 1 says, there is the, now for, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It was all placed in the Son. Okay? So stop beating yourself up back there. Okay? Don't do that. There's no condemnation, no shame. He's not judging you. He judged, he took all that stuff and he put it on his son so they don't put it on you. That's pretty cool. One. Two, the blood of the lamb takes that evil conscience that separates us into isolation and brings us back into the light with our friends. Three, the blood of the lamb takes the accusation of the enemy and turns it into praise of the Lord. Yes, I did sin, but Lord, you paid for that. I give you my life. I claim the blood of Jesus over my life, and I know that I am washed free right now by your blood. Lord, I love you. And you can turn the accusation of the enemy right into praise, just like that. Okay? Now, I just gave you a week's worth of teaching on spiritual warfare in like 49 minutes. Oh, Lord. So just, yes, Lord, bless them with that. I know you're going to have questions. Uh, feel free, please, ask me questions. They're good. Be curious, okay, about your God who's done so much for you, how he's won you. Be like little boys and girls. Dad, who are you? Who am I? Tell me more about what you've done. Where am I from? Because if I know where I'm from, I know who I am, okay? Okay, hold out your hands. Lord, I just bless them right now with this word. 
The word I hear is authority. I bless them with your authority, your authority to tread the serpent. It says you've given us the authority to bruise the serpent as he bruises our heel as we crush him wherever we go. And we barely, barely, barely spend time to even notice him because that's how much authority we have. Lord, I thank you for our sonship. Let us understand that there is an enemy and he is here to try to distract us, to deceive us, to tempt us so that we, he can accuse us so that we will not walk in our inheritance, in our sonship and in our destiny. But we know better. We know better. Lord, I speak that sonship over them, Father. Grow that authority. I just activate that in every single one of you guys right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have any questions, please ask me. Here.